This week's episode of the Makers Mean Business podcast was sponsored by the Makers University. Turning your handmade craft into a business can be so scary, but you don't have to do it alone. Join me, Damon, and other expert coaches in the Makers University, where we cover technology, strategy, actionable steps, and everything else you'll need to help grow your handmade business online. With recorded tutorials, printable worksheets, and live Q&A sessions, the Makers University will be there to help you every step of the way. If you're thinking about turning your hobby into a business, this is your sign. Head over to themakersuniversity.com and join us today. Hey y'all, I'm Damon Oates, founder of Deco Exchange. Who else has heard that crafting is just a hobby? I turned my love of crafting into a thriving multi-seven-figure company, surrounded myself in an amazing community, and met some amazing business owners along the way. I'm here to show everyone that makers mean business. Tamara, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? I'm Tamara Bennett. I'm the owner of Southern Adornments Decor, and I teach women how to paint and sell door hangers. And if you don't know what a door hanger is, I mean, your wreath world probably does, but a lot of the Northerners know what a wreath is, but do not know what a door hanger is. It is a wooden cutout that you have painted and you hang it on your door just like you would a wreath. Awesome. So how did you get started? Um, I started my business back in 2015. I was teaching paint parties locally in my hometown and uh, painting and selling door hangers. And then eventually when Facebook Live kind of came around, I gave that a shot and uh, started painting online just so that I could get to know other women while I painted because it was kind of lonely just sitting in a quiet craft room by myself. And so it was more of a social thing than anything. But before long, I kind of became known as the door hanger teacher, even though I didn't set out to be that type of you know, person. I think the teacher just naturally flows out of me. I have a teaching degree to teach elementary ed kids, but I'm not even using that degree anymore. <laughs> yeah. So you started selling door hangers. Then mm-hmm. Did you do paint parties? Yes. Paint parties. Then you did uh, the classes and now you have a membership where you teach constantly. Yes, I teach women every month in my Painters Clubhouse membership. Um, we we paint two door hangers every month, but we also teach uh, specific techniques that they can use on any door hanger that they're painting. Um, and then I've just started another membership, which, which is kind of the natural progression for the people who've been in the Painters Clubhouse for a while. Once they kind of get the handle on the painting thing, they want to end up selling them and they don't know where to start with a business. And so the second membership that they can then join is called Paint to Profit, and it helps them figure out how to sell their door hangers, both locally and online. That's awesome. It kind of mm-hmm. it's the whole life cycle of the uh, the door hanger painter person because mm-hmm. you also sell the door hangers. Yes. I think the wooden blanks. Yes, we sell wooden blanks, but we also sell the digital templates. So a lot of these ladies know how to cut their own blanks, but they can't freehand draw the designs. So we provide the templates so that all they have to do is trace and cut. So if you had to think back along your timeline of doing this business, has it always been uh, as easy and profitable as it is now? Um, hmm. No, there definitely have been seasons. And it usually for me was always like January through May, that was the slow season for me. And then toward the end of summer and then into fall, I was always busy. But now that I've taken my business online, 
it's busier around. I mean, there are seasons that are even busier than others, but I'm never have a slow moment now. It's always busy because people, even when they're shut in in the wintertime, if there's a snow day, they can still stay inside and paint online with me and they don't have to. We've had so many paint parties in the past get canceled because of snowstorms. And so that doesn't happen in the online world. So it's a lot easier to stay busy. Yeah, it's interesting. I just finished an interview with uh, Melly Mel and we kind of had the same conversation of like how we almost feel guilty right now seeing all the brick and mortars closed and we're doing so well online mm -hmm. and how they missed this huge opportunity by not just having a little piece of something online. That's so true. And I actually have a couple of friends who they have one foot in the brick and mortar world and one foot in the online world. And during COVID, they've been forced to focus on the online side of their business. Thankfully, they already had that sort of started, but they they were making more money at their brick and mortar than they were in the online world. And now due to COVID, it's made them realize they don't even need the brick and mortar side of their business because their online side of their business has boomed since they've started all this. And so they're, they're really considering shutting down their brick and mortars and going all in on the online business side. It's crazy. I know for us, we were done about 400% uh, increase in sales since COVID started. Yeah. And it's insane. My business so, has definitely grown during COVID. Yeah. Um, so who or what motivates you to be able to keep pushing through the struggles of selling online? Uh, do you have any influential support at home or in the online space that helps you get through it? Um, I do have a very supportive husband who cheers me on in everything I do. He does get sometimes kind of tired of talking about my business. So I do have those online friends as well. We have a small accountability group of us who are all online entrepreneurs. And it's really nice when you're when you get a bad email from a customer to be able to tell the other girls about it and get support. And, you know, sometimes you may think like, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe maybe this is all about to fall apart, you know, because when you get that really bad email, you suddenly have this thought in your mind that what if everyone is thinking this and just not saying it? So then you start to doubt yourself and what you're doing. But if I voice those concerns to my accountability partners, they usually will be like, girl, you are crazy. You're, you know, everything you're doing is wonderful. Just think of all of those customers who are so grateful that you have, you know, enhanced their lives by teaching them to paint and sell door hangers. And so it's during those moments that these ladies give me a, a little kick in the booty and tell me to kind of quit dwelling on the negative and focus on the positive. Yeah. I, what I did when I first started is I kept something called a smile file. And all of the good emails and all of the good messages and all the good posts that came through, we like snipped them and threw them in that file. So that way, when we got that one email that was ruining the whole week, we were able to go to our smile file and see all the other stuff that we actually make an impact on and not this one person who most likely got their feelings hurt and lashed out. Mm -hmm. And what I've found to be the case too, is if I am vulnerable with my audience and if I have a moment when I'm feeling like that, there's been a couple of times when I've hopped on a Facebook live and I've said, Hey guys, this is on my heart right now. And this is what I'm feeling. Um, you know, I'm feeling like back in March, I did this and I said, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about this new um, event that we've got coming up in Nashville. I was so anxious because I knew I had almost 150 women from all around the country from 27 different states coming in to see me in Nashville. And that tornado had just hit in Nashville and our supplies were possibly not going to make it to the event. And there was just so much anxiety and I was afraid I was going to fail. And, it, and I started 
I then turned it into a message for my audience about how sometimes we're going to have these anxieties, but we have to lay those concerns on God and pray for, you know, support. And all of a sudden, after that Facebook Live was over, my community showed up and it was like one big hug from the community. And they let me know that they were in my corner. And regardless of whether or not we had supplies at this event, it was going to turn out to be amazing because I was there. And that was the um, the lift and the encouragement that I needed to like get over that negative point in my life that I was having. I feel like I, I saw this and you were actually on a run or a walk yeah. or something and you just went live and were vulnerable and did it. Yeah. I was crying on the Facebook live covered in sweat, wearing my running clothes. And somebody stopped by or passed or something. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Somebody drove by and I'm sitting on the bench up by the road. And I know they looked like, is she about to have a heart attack? Is she okay? She's like crying and talking to her phone. <laughs> and I, I think that's part of that whole, um, in one of the interview questions that I have before we did this, you said, uh, just be you and just show up as yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important. And you showed that in that Facebook live. Yeah. Um, it wasn't perfect. You didn't have to have your hair done and your makeup done and a perfect background and all those things. You just showed up to be you and let people know like, Hey, I'm a real person and I've got this problem. Mm -hmm. They, I think they could feel my heart in it. They could feel the real raw emotion that I was feeling. And so, you know, it's when somebody's like that, you just empathetically want to reach out and help them and make them feel better. And so I think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Tamara, with everything that you know now about growing your business and the online space, is there anything that if you had to start over that you would immediately do differently? Um, I would have started collecting emails a lot longer ago. <laughs> um, and that's one thing that I am teaching the ladies in my Paint to Profit membership to do during the very like first or second month of their membership is because none of these ladies have email lists either. And they feel bad about it. They're like, oh, I should have an email list. They had no idea. And I said, it's okay. I didn't know back then either. I wish that I had hired a business coach sooner and learned that. But um I'm not an email person. I don't check my email. I mean, I do check my email often, but I don't buy through email like some people do. And I don't enjoy sending emails. So it was always kind of an afterthought. I thought that everybody was like me and they don't use their email, but that's not true. A lot of people shop through their emails, not to mention the fact that we can retarget people through Facebook ads now with emails. That gets me super excited. Um, so yeah, I wish I would have started building my email list a lot sooner. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that we can take that email list, even if we don't want to email anyone, and we can create custom audiences on Facebook and Ads Manager and retarget our perfect people over and over again. Yeah, and they don't even, they're not even aware that we're doing it that way. They just right. think that it just magically, you just showed up in my newsfeed. I don't know how that happened. That's, <laughs> I hear that so often. They'll say, I just stumbled across you on Facebook. I'm like, well, that's because we were doing our thing in the background. <laughs> I was about to say that. I hear it all the time. Like, you just happened to be on my newsfeed today. I'm like, that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> an accident. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'll hear they'll say, well, it was a God thing. And I'm like, well, Possibly, but it was possibly also God having me, like having you get on my email list and having me retarget you. Right. <laughs> it works in mysterious ways. So, there was some insight that he gave us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, time for a little honest moment. What is one myth about you or your industry that you would love to just debunk? Mm. Um, I feel like I've already begun to debunk this just by living it, but 
I still feel like there is a select group of people out there who strongly believe that if they tell people what they know or they teach what they know or answer what kind of paint they use, it's going to give the competition a leg up and it's going to bring them down. And I have it has been a part of my core values since the beginning that community over competition is my mantra. Like I believe that if you and I link arms, we're going to rise together. And so I think really that has been one of the things that has brought people in to me and made people come to my page is because they know that it doesn't matter what the question is. I'll give you the, the honest answer. You know, if you ask me what kind of wood I use, I'm going to tell you. If you ask me what kind of shipping boxes I use, I'm going to tell you. I don't keep secrets. I don't hide anything back or, um, you know, keep anything for myself. I try to share everything that I can with my audience so that they can grow too. And I really think it's made me grow in return. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I just posted the mastermind application out there again, and someone literally from another industry sent me a message saying, how can you sit at a table with all of your competitors? And I'm like, well, I don't just sit there. I host the event and it's amazing. Yeah. We all, the whole room shares our experiences and we work together and we prove that competitors don't have to be competition. And, you know, we're all very successful in our own right and help each other where we can. Yeah. So um, some people are going to be drawn to me, whereas they'll be, they won't be drawn to someone else. But then other people are going to be more attracted to maybe the competition because of their personality than they are me. We all have our own reasons why people like us. Right. And so even if we're doing the same exact thing, we can both be successful. I mean, I've had students in our membership group and I'm like, hey, look, I can tell that you need more than I can give you. Here's a list of three other business coaches that I know personally that will take care of you the way that you need it. Mm -hmm. I've like done the I, same in my group. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hold your hand. I'm sorry. There's 1900 people here, but I know who can, and this is what you need. Yeah. And it's, it's just making sure you find that perfect fit for your personality. And I've just learned over the years that there's more than enough business to go around for all of us. And just like you said, she may not be, you may not be her ideal business coach, but in return, she's not your ideal customer. There's so many people out there. The ocean is so wide of customers that we get to pick and choose who we want our customer to be. And I'm learning that more and more and trying to hone in on that as the years go by. And I'm learning that my ideal customer, if I had to pin it down, is the type of woman who right now is staying home with her kids and, and is kind of crafty. And maybe she's intimidated to paint, but she needs something to do with her hands, something to kind of like take her mind off of the housework and the kids and all of that. And so she will pick up a paintbrush and paint with me. She might end up, end up, end up selling what she makes. And then that kind of boosts her confidence in herself and her husband's proud of her because she's bringing in extra money. And so now that I know who that exact customer is, it makes it so much easier to just wave goodbye to the ones that I know are not my perfect fit. So can you think of three tips that you would give someone uh, wanting to start um, either a regular business or a door hanger business today? Um, number one is show your face. Like, I, I, and it took me a while to kind of realize this, but I, in the beginning was only posting pictures of my door hangers and it would 
just be a boring Facebook post with a picture and a price. It literally didn't have anything to make me. It was like a, a sales post. Essentially, it didn't have anything to relate to me. But as soon as I started showing up on Facebook Live, showing my face and my personality, showing my kids and taking pictures, like ha injecting a little bit of my family and myself into my business and my page, um, that's when things started to pick up a lot is because people then knew who they were buying from. So that'd be number one. Um, number two is don't feel like you have to be perfect. Be yourself. We kind of talked about this a little while ago, but if you're a little weird and quirky, um, own it. Be that person. You know, you're known as the guy who loves um, uh, dogs and rescue um, animals and things like that. I'm kind of the crazy chicken lady in my corner over here. <laughs> I have chickens out in the yard. And anytime people see a picture of a chicken on Facebook wearing a sweater or something silly, they're tagging me in it. And I've also kind of become known as like the female version of Bob Ross. I get tagged in Bob Ross posts all the time. So whatever those weird, quirky little things are about you, lean into that. Um, and then number three, let's see, find an accountability group that for sure. Um, even if they are in a different niche or a different um, industry than you, if they have similar goals, if they're wanting to grow their business online too, you guys should team up together, maybe take a business course together or something where you guys can go through a training process together and then lean on each other for support and then continue that that relationship even after the course is over. Yeah, those are three great tips, though. I mean, ideal things for the ideal, our ideal customer would be <laughs> those three things. If they did those three things, it'd be amazing. Yep. So with all the things going on in the world right now, um, have you had any major surprises in your business lately? Hmm. I think uh, I'm just realizing how quickly we're outgrowing how we're running the um, physical product side of our business. We kind of talked about this a moment ago before we started the podcast. I just finished shipping 37 packages in my dining room on the table. And I think my customers in their mind, they visualize that I'm working out of some kind of factory and we have like a team of people doing the shipping and making the blanks. And that is not the case. We are still outsourcing the cutting of the blanks by someone locally. And we, me and my mama are doing all the shipping from the dining room table. And since COVID has happened and everybody wants to, you know, have these blanks shipped to them, um, I'm realizing that my dining room's not going to cut it for long and that we're going to have to build a property on our, our, our shop on our property so we can start cutting our own blanks and increase the amount we're able to put out because we could sell more. We just can't make and ship more to keep up with it. It's a nice feeling, right? Yeah, it is. It's a good feeling. It's just frustrating right now. <laughs> right. So with all of the struggles and the frustrating parts of having our businesses, what is one thing that has made your business all worth it? Any big wins? Um, what has this whole journey done for you and your family? Um, it's been amazing because until my business took off online, my husband always felt like he needed to be um, the primary provider for our family. He felt like he needed to have a job with good benefits and a reliable income and needed to be the sole breadwinner. And so because of that, he was often taking jobs that he didn't love, taking jobs that required long, difficult hours. Um, but when my business started to pick up, he was actually able to quit his job, go back to school and get a two year um, degree in computerized manufacturing and machining. And right after he got his degree, 
he couldn't find somewhere locally that really felt like a right fit to work. And so he ended up because there was no pressure because my business was fully supporting our family. He ended up taking a job at a farm down the road, which sounds ridiculous for a 35 year old man to go find a job on a farm. That sounds like a job a kid would have. Right. But he loves being outside. He loves working with his hands. He really admires the guy he's working for. And so for the first time since probably he he's ever probably ever because he started working when he was 15 or 16, probably for the first time since then, he's been able to take a job that's no pressure. He doesn't have to make a certain amount an hour and he can just enjoy the actual job. And so that's still very temporary for him. The plan is for him to actually be able to use his degree, but for my business, um, because in the fall, we're going to start building that shop that I was talking about. And he will take over the manufacturing part of making all of our wooden blanks. And so I'm excited to bring him in as a partner in the business and to make him feel uh, some more ownership of the business, because we still call it my business. But when he starts working in the business, I think it'll feel more like our business. And so I'm excited about that. It's just been huge for our family because there's less pressure on him, but also because we're able to travel more. We can afford these, you know, trips like he and I took a trip to Washington, D.C. last year in February, just the two of us. And we got to go and see and do everything we wanted without kids and we could afford it. And we've never been able to do that before. So there's just so many things like that that have really enhanced our lives. Yeah. He was in the military, right? Yes. Yeah. He's done three no. deployments in the Marine Corps and also as a part of the National Guard. So he did that. And then he was an officer. So mm -hmm. he's had lots of high risk, high stress um, scenarios. So I'm sure it is amazing to have him not quite in those situations where you both have to worry about if he's coming home or not. Definitely. Yeah. And for him to just have a, a steady I don't for a long time, he did not have a job where I could expect him home at a certain time of day. You know, he would work 12 to 15 hours some days and I just wouldn't know when he was going to be home. So it's been really nice to have some stability. I know we've got to meet him a few times and uh, he definitely admires you and your business. So <laughs> he's one of my biggest cheerleaders for sure. So are there any uh, big surprises coming our way from you? Um. I don't know. Uh, we are hoping to get a partnership with a laser cutting company coming up. I get asked all the time, what kind of laser machine do you use and what kind of machine do you recommend? And so um, we are hoping to be able to secure a partnership with a laser cutting business so that we can be able to recommend a laser machine to our customers and also maybe get them a discount on one. So I'm excited about that coming up. I'm excited to also continue growing the Paint to Profit and the Painters Clubhouse. The Painters Clubhouse will be opening again on August 25th. So if anybody out there has been wanting to learn how to paint door hangers, we even uh, have some people in the group who are wreath makers and they're taking what we are teaching and they're using it to paint wreath attachments. So essentially they're taking the templates that we use for our door hangers and painting them on a smaller scale and attaching them to their wreaths. And so it's been fun to see these designs in a different way. You know, I'm, I'm used to just seeing them as a flat door hanger on a door, but it's really cool when you see them with all the mesh and the ribbon on a, on a wreath. Yeah. One of the biggest uh, wood blank suppliers in our industry is Carrie. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's actually been on our podcast and I know she learned a lot of her painting techniques from your clubhouse. Yes. She's a member of our painters clubhouse. I admire her a lot. So if a listener wanted to find out more information about you or your products, where can they find you online? You can find me at southernadornmentsdecor.com and adornments has two O's because you hang your door hanger on a door. Um, if you want to shop for blanks, you can do that at shopdoorhangers.com. 
And if you're interested in learning how to paint door hangers, you can join the Painters Clubhouse by going to paintersclubhouse.com. But I'm Southern Adornments Decor across all the platforms. So you can find me there. And do you have a wait list on your website right now? Since yes. it's a few weeks before you open your uh, your doors. Yep. Yep. There's a wait list online so you can be reminded or we can target you with those fancy Facebook ads. So we just pop up in your newsfeed. <laughs> be a little gift from God. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so as always, I have one last question for you. Uh, so what does being a maker really mean to you? Um, to me, it is putting some of myself into what I'm creating and then serving others with that thing. So if I'm making a door hanger and gifting it to somebody, it is brightening their day. And I hope that people pay that feeling forward to others. But now that I'm doing most of everything online, I feel like it's just me giving to others and serving others in the highest capacity that I can online through, you know, giving them the gift of learning to paint. That's awesome. Any uh, last words you want to share with anyone? Uh, I don't think so. This has been fun. Thanks for having me. No problem. Glad you were here. All right, that's it, y'all.